When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. Can I make it the next hour without saying the W word? Can I make it three days without (laughs) saying the W word? Can I, I do it? I don't think so. I don't want to jinx what is about to happen come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because it looks too perfect. Looks pretty doggone it good. It looks perfect. Can you... Uh, can I not? I don't want to say the word. I don't want to say the W word, just but... Just don't. But have we ever, in the, the 15 Bonnaroo's or so, have we ever seen a forecast like this. <laughs> no, we've seen all kinds of the other kind. Right. Where we thought it was going to be rained out and four million degrees. And <laughs> four million degrees. This, I might have exaggerated. The, the surface touch. of the sun. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I can't, yeah, I don't good. think, I, I like, I can't even believe my eyes. Something is incorrect here. Like the, all the, the whoop, I almost said it. Don't say All the apps, they're wrong. This is not real. It's going to be great. I uh, I don't think we've ever had a temperature that low. I don't think I've ever experienced Bonnaroo in the 70s at, during the I day. Know, I know. <laughs> just, like I was saying the other day, I was like, should I wear pants? I'm just going to have to rethink my whole camping, my packing. That's what I've been doing all day is getting out all the equipment and checking it. And- Do I need to bring a Snuggie? <laughs> Some sweats. <laughs> Your your loungers. That's what Uh, they're calling them now, your loungers. Yeah, so this feels like, to me, this this episode feels like the last day of school. (laughs) That's, yeah, Like, we don't really have much to do. There's not really, we've covered everything we're going to cover. We're just sort of, like, filling in time before we got to go. Pack and repack and stare at it and... Actually, uh, Repack, Repack is my repeat, repeat cover band. It's so. a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, we're close, man. We're go. right on top of it. I guess we'll uh, go through what we're going to do today. So uh, we'll just tie up, I guess, some loose ends and uh, talk to uh, two artists that we're really, really excited about, two uh, artists that were picks of mine uh, that I think Barry has come around to. Absolutely. And, uh, we need to tell they have a very who we com- are, by the way. They have a very common theme between the two of them. Oh, sure. Yeah, we can do that, too. I'm Brad. That's Barry. If you don't know by now, this yep. is the What Podcast, a podcast by Bonnaroovians, for Bonnaroovians, four days away from uh, the greatest weekend of the year. Uh, so, Patrick Droney and DeLacy. Right, right. Two great guests. Man, Patrick just blew my mind. I think he did yours as well. I did not expect 
what he was going to say. No. Like, I did, we didn't have any expectations. I, I've heard the two songs that I really like on Spotify. And uh, I had a conversation with, I was just on the phone with my, my Warner rep, right? Just talking, you know, regular yeah. radio station stuff. And he's like, by the way, just letting you know, we got this kid named Patrick Droney that we just signed <laughs> to the label. Like, wait a second. Patrick Droney, we've been talking about him for three months on right, this show. Right. We discovered him, both of them, through Bonnaroo. They were both terrific interviews, and I, I think they're both very talented. And, the, and what connects them both, you'll hear, is uh, they both, with their debut albums, decided to go within themselves, right, to be very personal. She's a songwriter for other people. And talks about how this album was a very personal one that she did just for herself. Didn't care if it ever got heard right. or not. Whereas he was a whole lot more, um, uh, what's the word, um, planned out about how he how his career is going. But man, that guy, his uh, his phone contacts list is. I is just nuts. didn't expect to hear the bio that we heard and. Look, I know I should probably be much more professional and better at this than I am. Uh, believe me, I've been asking myself that for 20 years of my career. But uh, I didn't read anything about him before we got on the phone with him. You know, it's not that hard to get on the phone and talk to somebody at Music and Bonnaroo. Right. Uh, so it's not like I did a deep dive on his bio. But boy, oh boy, did I miss a yeah, giant I, story. I kind of, I did, just quickly. Uh, yeah, because you're a professional. Well, not. I mean, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but... You'll hear, I couldn't, I asked you before we even called, how old could he be? Yeah. Because his bio says he toured with B.B. King and James right. Brown, and, and I'm like, James Brown has been gone a long time. Right. I, I mean, I looked at you, what, what did I tell you when, when I read that? I was like, uh, he's probably just, you know, lying. He's probably just making that well, up. Well, yeah, I think you thought he toured with people who had toured with yeah, them. Yeah, typo. Some typo. Yeah, but no, he, <laughs> he toured with those guys. Of course, he started as a child yeah um but man he just kept dropping name after name after name it made me feel very uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) this is not fair yeah it's like what what have you done with your life to this point so we got patrick joni coming up uh delacy will start off uh talking to her um what i like about delacy is sort of the way that you pretty much you know put a nice bow on it She's a singer, a songwriter. She's been writing songs for everybody else. She's had number one singles, but you would never know it because, right. you know, she's just a songwriter. And now she's decided to do her own thing. And, you know, she's got a, a song on, on Top 40 Radio. And it's a damn good one, too. So song. So when I do what I do for a living, I know that 99% of it is just drivel. You know, it's just garbage. But, but there are ones that cut right through the noise. You know, they're the ones that you get really excited about. Right. And you start, like, looking around and asking yourself, I do, I do Top 40 radio for a living, but why is this song good? Yeah. Like, I, the, these are all supposed to be bad songs. Right. None of them is supposed to be any good. But she's really, really good. And My Man she's is really a great good. song. And it's like people like her and Lizzo that cut through the noise, and you're like, oh man, this is actually not bad. And so we got uh, we got a hold of her because you know she's she's becoming a thing. You know she doesn't have the easiest draw, but I hope she does well. And uh, you know we'll start our last episode before Bonnaroo with Delacy on the What Podcast. <laughs> Hi, Delacy. Hi, Delacy. How are you? <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fine. It's so uh, exciting to talk to you. Uh, first off, because yeah, 
when we stumbled upon you, this is what we really like the most about doing this show, is that when we have uh, a moment like we don't really know what we're doing, uh, so we just throw something up uh, against the wall to see if it sticks and do a little thing called Bonner Roulette, and we just uh, hit the play button, and whatever it lands on, it lands on. This year, when we did Bonner Roulette... DeLacy, my man, started playing. And both the me and, me and Barry, both at the same time, right, I say this truthfully because uh, we found some of our favorite people this way. We, did, we didn't know you beforehand. Literally five seconds into my man, me and Barry looked each other dead in each other's eyes, and they just got larger and larger as the song kept going. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. You have got a hit on your hands. You've got something special with this song. You must be really happy Thank about it. Thank you. I am. I'm really happy about it. I'm just really happy it's out in the world and everyone gets to hear it. Yeah, how long have you been sitting on it? Well, not very long, but, you know, I, I kind of wrote wrote a whole album in August, and I didn't really know if I would ever release the music. I didn't really know what I would do with it. I just kind of made it. And so it's cool. Even though it, I haven't been sitting on it for very long and it all kind of happened fast for me, I was really just kind of like, wow, this is out like on Spotify and people can listen to this. It's out in the world. Like, it's, it's tell, kind of surreal to me. Tell us what that's like because we've had several guests that have been, you know, toiling at it for a decade or more, gone through three or four iterations totally. of the band. You know, they've. The uh, ten-year, totally. fifteen-year overnight sensation stories. You know, you were not. Yeah, no. you, you were not that long ago in a. a I don't forgot how I saw it described. The the shittiest apartment in New York ever, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no. So how's life changed? Yeah, that was mine. Um, I mean, most. I think for me, it's like, you know, it's definitely been a journey to get to this place as an artist, but it's just kind of a, a weird one. I have been writing for other people for like a few years. Um, and I've recently had success at that. And, but before I had success at that, I was super lost. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? I don't think I ever want to make, I, I never had anything enough to say that I've written like enough stuff for just myself. But I just was feeling really inspired because I was just really lost in, in the industry in general. And didn't really know what I was doing with my life. And I just went to New York and I was like, I'm going to just try to write some music with my producer that I love to work with. And I was like, called him up and I was like, do you want to just make something? I don't know if we'll even write one song and it might suck really bad, but can we just make something that feels 100% me? Because I haven't done that yet. I've been writing with other artists and for other artists and with a bunch of pop um, producers and, and writers that are all amazing and super talented, but it also just... You know, at some point, it's like I just kind of lost who I was as an artist. And so I just went to New York and I literally wrote a whole album in like three weeks. And I was like, I don't know what I'll do with this, but I really like it. And I like listening to it. So that's sick. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. But well, that's, here we are. It's interesting that that's um, the, the decision that you had to make, because uh, like you said, you were writing for other people. And at some point that becomes that could possibly become a tad sterile. You don't really have much more much skin in the game when you're writing for somebody else. Uh, but the the roster of people that you wrote with, that's a pretty impressive lineup. When you start to look at you know, oh I don't know the charts. Thank you. Um, Thank write, you. Writing a number one single doesn't necessarily happen to everybody. No, I know. I'm very grateful. That's nuts. So, 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 walk me through. So, if if, if you don't know uh, Halsey, um, again, I got to remind people, uh, Halsey may be a major superstar. 
there's a good 70% of the population who has no idea who she right. is, but she's got a number one single and you helped write it. How in the world did that come about? Um, you know, I, I just, I wrote this song with, um, some collaborators and she heard it and loved it so much. And, you know, she, so she went into the studio and, and wrote, you know, wrote her own, she like wrote two on it and put it out. It all happened really fast. And it was so, I mean, I was so honored that she sang it, you know, um, and she made it her own, and it turned out to be so big. None of us were expecting it. Well, see, that, that's the part that is so baffling to me, and, and as a guy who's done this for 20 years, I still don't know the answer to this. When you have something that you wrote, right, and that you just put pen to paper and you create, who do you then send it to? Who do you then show it to <laughs> that then puts it in front of the eyes and ears of Halsey? How does that happen? What is it? What is that process like? Well, it's very, I mean, I'm signed as a, as a songwriter. I'm signed to publishing. So okay. like I have a, a, an amazing team of people that are, you know, and I also have been in the industry for a while now. I've been paying my dues. That's for sure. sure. Um, so I know a lot of people that are, you know, and I've, I've had some close ones there. Like, and I know a lot of artists. Um, it's just, you know, it's just when it's the right song and it just happens to be the right the right situation. It's like timing is everything. It's really crazy in those situations. And so when you have something that you really like, okay, just say it's, it's without me and, and it's still a baby and it's still like in a zygote. Do you send it to uh, a certain person that you know will like that sort of style or are you going to send it to everybody because you know you have something? Yeah. yeah good um, question. I don't know. I, I think it's always different. It, it, it's always different and it always goes to diff- so many different people and, and honestly the way it gets to, to an artist or to anyone is always a different path like okay. literally no two stories are the same it's so crazy it, it's, I've had so many different songs come out in so many different situations like okay. it's never been the same so it's kind of a hard question to answer yeah. really specifically well, but but yeah I mean sometimes when I write a song I'll be like damn blah 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 would kill this you know what I right. mean you hope but but it, it rarely ever works out that way. And then, you know, I've worked with a lot of these artists, too. So then when I'm, like, writing with them, of course, I'm like, oh, well, this is for them. You know, they sing it. So well, it just kind of depends. I got you. So to kind of dive a little deeper on that, just because of the story you just told and how it's worked for you, do do you change things? Do you find yourself, like the one that you just wrote that's so personal, before would you have said, ooh, uh, you know, maybe so-and-so would never say that, or I need to soften that, or that's, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, for sure, one of my things as a writer has always been, I, I kind of speak the truth. I, I don't sugarcoat anything that I say. And sometimes my lyrics start to out there. And a lot of the time I've had to cut back and like, you know, kind of make things a little sweeter and less vulnerable or whatever, right. whatever you want to call it. Um, for certain artists that don't feel comfortable. But I mean, that's fine. It's got to be personal to whoever puts it out. It's right. Do what they would say. Um, you know, that's why when I did, when I went and wrote an album, I was like, I was, I wasn't holding anything back. I was thinking of it in a way where I was like, this is, no one's ever going to hear this. And even if they do, I don't care because it's just from me and I'll sing it. And I don't care what anyone thinks because I'm never, I have no name. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, I'll say whatever. So, so that's kind of like a thing about my music that is like, you know, I feel like a lot of it, once you guys hear more of my music, you'll kind of see. But a lot of it is like, I think a lot of things that people wouldn't, no one else would say but me probably. <laughs> so what is it, how does it make you feel now that you've, you know, exposed yourself 
basically, and and people like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it feels amazing. Of course, I didn't know if everyone was going to hate it. I was like, is this horrible? You know, that's how you always feel about your art, I feel like, or anything you create. You're like, is this the worst thing ever, or is it really good? I cannot tell. (laughs) DeLacy, DeLacy, I've been doing doing fart jokes on the radio for 20 years. Uh, I just just assume everyone hates it. (laughs) Yeah, um, I don't know. It sounds funny to me, but I'm immature. Yeah. yeah, but that's a, that's a defense mechanism. For yeah, me. it is for sure. I mean, it, but you're putting yourself out there in a vulnerable place, and uh, yeah, for for it to for it to come back is it, any sort of feedback. Sometimes it's like, oh, thank God. Totally. I mean, just just the fact that like somebody wanted to put it out was exciting for me. I was like, not even knew if I was going to do that. You know, I never knew if I would do that. Which Delacy will people see in a couple weeks? Saturday afternoon, by the way. Who stage at four? Oh yeah, Saturday. Okay. I, I almost forgot. I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's coming up so quick. I know, right? <laughs> well, I'm really excited for everyone to see it. I I, I love performing, so I'm super excited. I, I'm going to perform, like, basically my whole album, too. We have the whole set down. My band is amazing. It's super grungy and raw and live, and I'm really excited about it. I don't know if if growing up in, in Orange County, you so much time as much as we did talking or thinking about a, a music festival in Tennessee, but uh, <laughs> we do tend to ask people the same question every time. What was your impression or what is your impression of Bonnaroo? I've never been, but I mean, ever, all I know is that I've heard people say it's like the coolest one and the best one, so I felt really cool that I got on it. But, <laughs> but I've but, never been. And that's that's sort of the thing. Like, I've always wondered, especially in the in the industry, especially with people that live where you live and have Coachella totally. in their backyard. Coachella and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, when, do, you look at, do you look at, like, Coachella and then see Bonnaroo and I'm like, oh, it's like a redneck cousin or something because it's in <laughs> no, Tennessee. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I feel like they all have their own thing. I don't know. They, they all, all the music festivals, I feel like, have their own, like... About them. Also, you know, it's all about location. It's like its own city. Like it's their own festival. I love all of them. I've never had like a bad taste about any of them so far. Do you have something specific about your live show that you're doing specifically for Bonnaroo or for music festivals in general? Like, for instance, I I say this because I was supposed to see you in New York a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. one of these like record uh, things, and I didn't make it. And I wonder how. I wish that I had, frankly, so that I could see the difference between uh, you in an intimate room versus uh, 4 o'clock in in 102-degree weather at Bonnaroo. Yeah, you know, it'll be my first time ever doing anything like this, so we'll see. Really? I hope I do a good job. <laughs> I love that game. I hope I live up to my... I'll offer up... To, I'm I'll a little off... nervous, but I'm also very excited. Well, don't don't be nervous because because if you know anything about Bonnaroo, it's full of love. There's nothing but love on yeah. the farm. Uh, let me just make this offer to you because I think this is a strong one. If you need a yeah. backup dancer, we're here for you. <laughs> solid. That's solid. You know what? Right I'll there. I might pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things... I can't wait. That, uh, one of the things we... Then that'll be my... And that'll be my special thing. That'll be my special that, thing. That would be special, for sure. Oh, that would geez. be memorable. <laughs> I've learned all my moves from Lizzo. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, of course, Lizzo. One of the things we've learned uh, talking with people is that the question really isn't is your show better? Do you try harder at festivals? Because that presumes that you know you turn in ninety percent at some others. It's it's more mm-hmm. the the smaller maybe intimate venue shows. You 
has it's kind of assumed that the people that are there bought their ticket to see you and they mm-hmm. want to be there. Whereas in a festival, you might have 10, 20, 80 percent who've never heard of you. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity, okay, yeah. the opportunity is to make new fans. So it's a, it's different that way, yeah. I guess. Maybe. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. That's true. That's true. I've thought about that. Yeah. My man is uh, the uh, single that's uh, from the album. I am not going to be the first one to make this connection and I won't be the last. Uh, I absolutely love how Dolly Parton it is. Yeah. Uh, and as somebody who <laughs> loves Dolly Parton so much, yeah. uh, boy, it is just—it's got that thread through it. And um, you know, the first moment I heard it, I was like, "Oh my God, long live Dolly!" It's kind of for me. I thought the same. It's kind of long live Dolly. Long live Dolly. Good for you for updating it. But how cool has Dolly always been? Yeah, it's true. True. <laughs> it definitely stands on its own two feet for sure. Uh, but you've got to—you've got to see that thread too, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, everyone, that's, like, something people will randomly say to me, of course, like, and in comments and stuff. And I'm, like, you know, I would like to say I was, like, totally trying to do an updated Jolene, but, like, it was literally something I was going through that day. Like, a really? real supermodel was trying to steal my boyfriend, <laughs> and I was, like, I came into the session, and I was so, like, fired up and emotional and, like, feeling insecure and vulnerable and I was just like bitching about it for like 20 minutes and I just like sang out that line kind of and we just we wrote the song so quickly I, I even like just kind of wrote a lot of it on the spot I was just like pretending the girl was right there and I was singing to her. Hey DeLacy let me ask you this did did she actually get him? Did, did it actually No. No. Are you, are you guys still are you guys still together? That's, That's a, a mystery. Oh, That's nice. a mystery if you guys are still together. So here's the reason I I say this is because you you made it made a point to say a supermodel was trying to steal your boyfriend. That's yeah. a lot better than like an In-N-Out Burger waitress who was trying to steal your man. At least it was a supermodel. Hey, an In-N-Out waitress could be very hot. Yeah. You know? yeah that's a good point. They, yeah. It hurts, I, I, hurts look, either way. <laughs> look, I've watched I've watched She's All That. I know how I can go from zero to hero quickly. I've got it. <laughs> what does this do now for your songwriting? Anything? Does, does it uh, or you feel I'm like... I'm trying to balance both. I've already written my album so that's kind of nice because I don't need to spend so much time like in a studio trying to get the next songs you know we have them all planned out and we already mastered a whole album I'm really excited that I get to put it all out um but yeah I'm still like going in with some artists and I'm trying to and I'm collaborating and I'm excited about some other stuff but, on that but, front too but there's still, there's still somebody that you're writing for are you still writing things for other people while, while you know yeah I'm still yeah. writing with other people too you know I, I need to write all the time or I go insane is there somebody in particular that you think you as a songwriter and who's written for with other people and for other people is there a voice that you specifically feel most comfortable with do you have a certain person's voice or a certain person's perspective that you think that you connect with the best and it's just easier to write for uh you know that's a really hard one too because you don't you don't really get to pick a lot of the time who you write for sure yeah but i mean yeah i mean there's artists that i love working with but no i mean you know the reason I, I'll tell you, I hate to interrupt you, but here's the reason why I ask it is because I, I love the stories of speechwriters like John Favreau for Obama. He's got to write in someone else's voice, right? Especially like um, uh, I know a lot of stand-up comics. They go on to, to write for Bill Maher or for Letterman. Yeah. Uh, and they've got to figure out a way to take their humor and then write it in Letterman's voice. 
Uh, and, sorry, yeah, give us some time. And some people, some people just naturally do that better than others, and some take you know a while to start learning rhythms and 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 stuff like that. I wonder if there's somebody that you just naturally immediately rolled with pretty easily, easier than others. Yeah, so far. I write the best for myself, I think, probably. It's just, like, the easiest. But I, I, I know, I mean, I hope there's someone else that I can, like, have continuing success with writing with. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm not done. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I mean, that's such a fascinating question, which is obviously why we keep asking about it. The lazy, that well, whole idea. Of we're you. obsessed with process. I don't know why we're so obsessed yeah. with process yeah, around here. We are. It's that, oh, like, that's could, cool. that's you know, cool. have you tried writing in a male voice, a female? I mean, obviously a female voice, but have you tried, you know? Totally. Reading, I've, I've totally written songs, like, from a perspective of a guy before. Yeah, are you about to ask us ask a question if she writes, couldn't write a K pop song? Because I'm going to say no. <laughs> I'm going to guess no. I have written a K pop song. No <laughs> way. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, so let's not go there. How? <laughs> what? How in the hell does that happen? Happen. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You never know where your songs are going to go. It's crazy. Who called you and said, we That's need right. a K-pop yeah. song? Yeah, whose idea no, was No, I it? mean, it just landed with a K-pop artist. And I was wow. Like, okay, cool. See, no there kidding. You yeah. There you go. That's what we're wondering. So... so. Nothing will surprise you. Man, is I it, am an was idiot. It, was it the kind of thing that was commissioned? They said, hey, we need this. Or was it something you wrote and somebody heard it and that said, that would work? That was something I wrote. That was something that I wrote that they heard that ended up with a band. Yeah, yeah I just think that's so interesting. That is so fascinating, man. I've, Look, heard, I've talked to John Prine and people like that who said, I tried to write a country song, but it kept coming out hip-hop or he didn't say that but rhythm and blues yeah, or, I, I'm like, how I've does that work I spent some time in Nashville too um, and I hopefully will have a country song out one day I'm determined that's one of my goals hey, wait how how long were you in Nashville um, I've only been there a couple of times like okay. a handful of times oh you didn't actually yeah. live there for a minute no 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 oh, okay. I've been to write right. I've been to write have you even dove into the schedule have you even dove into the day that you're going to be there have you uh, asked your people if you're staying a night or two what is your plan I, for the weekend? As of now, I think I'm only staying one night, which is sad, but it's like because of scheduling stuff. Is it Friday night or Saturday night? Saturday. Uh, I get in Friday night. I think I even leave Saturday night. No, no, no. I think I leave Sunday. Okay. So I think I'll be there tonight. Well, I can't wait to meet you uh, at Bonnaroo, and uh, I, I hope... can't wait. Bonnaroo oh, that's amazing. Thank you. I yeah. you. Well, I, I, I hope you all the success in the world, and I really, really want the, the single to work, and, and I think that it will. You've got a really, really, really great voice, and boy, you got a sound Thank that just you. works right now. Thank you so much, Susan. That means so much to me. Just so charming, so cute, so adorable. Uh, she's the kind of person that I, I really like getting behind. Wait. Uh, as far as a industry person, as far as an artist, I really like getting behind her. That's what I meant to say. That really yeah. came out much differently than I thought it would. Kind of creepy. I, yes, I realize that now. <laughs> so what? Uh, there was some news over the weekend. I was actually really surprised about this because I haven't, I mean, it's been years since they've done like artist editions this right. late in the game. Uh, the biggest artist edition that's ever happened in the history of Bonnaroo to me is the week before Bonnaroo, they announced Fun. Fun was going to be on the Sunday, that tent. And at the time, Fun had a number one song. It's the only, and this is a bit of uh, history, for Bonnaroo history, if you don't know. There's only been one artist in Bonnaroo's history that's had a number one single while they were playing the the, the farm, while they were playing Bonnaroo, right. and it was Fun. Right, you said that once before with, uh, I guess when we were talking to Jeff Quayar. Didn't that know that. That is interesting. You didn't know that either. He didn't know it. Uh, 
Buffett was a last minute. Jimmy Buffett. That's was a right. Last That's a great one. Yeah, that was the year the national was on Witch, and it was in the afternoon. Yeah. And I just remember, and this was before I was really into the national. It was just like so hot, and he's in all black, and it's the national, and it's in the middle of the day, and I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> what is this droning yeah. on on? But yeah. yeah, that was the same year the Buffett. So I've got a hysterical Buffett story about that Bonnaroo. And I tell this story all the time on the air. So um, turns out Buffett doesn't drink. Jimmy Buffett is not a drinker, right, right. which is hysterical considering he's created an entire lifestyle, and an entire brand selling people on margaritas. On margaritas. The man right. has been sober for like 30 years. That is funny. So he uh, he has this beer brand that he's hawking, the, the Land Shark, right? Mm-hmm. So I will never forget... When Jimmy Buffett was, uh, when he got there, as soon as he got off his bus, right, I just happened to stumble upon Jimmy Buffett getting out of his bus. So he gets out of his bus, and they're walking with his entourage, and his manager, whoever, pulls out of his, like, side pocket, out of his bag, pulls out a land shark, opens up the land shark, dumps half of it out. And then hands it to Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and that was right before he walked through the media tent. So right before he got... Uh, product placement. Exactly. <laughs> right before he got to the media area, when he was going to do all the interviews, and there's going to be all these photos and everybody around, the manager hands him a half-full nice. land shark, and he walked through the entire festival with a land shark. And he, I followed him around. I'll say I followed Jimmy Buff for half an hour. He got right to the witch stage. They walked him right to the witch stage. And what did he do with that land shark? Poured it out. Threw it right to the trash. <laughs> wow. It was genius. Wow. Absolutely genius. That is pretty funny. I uh, thought you were going to tell him, I thought you were going to say you told him good work. A great job. Good job. What was it? What did I say, Taco? Great, great work. work. Yeah. yeah. So I told uh, yeah, Billy Joel when I had the moment to meet Billy Joel. <laughs> Great work. Great work. All right, so uh, big addition, Rainbow Kitten Surprise added to the Grizz Super Jam. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of any other additions that might have been made at the last minute that were... That were big and notable. I don't think. Any. I don't. I'm thinking of like a years past. I don't think I can think of any other. Other well, than Jimmy there was Buffett. The replacement. And, Who was the band? Um, was it the Avits that had to cancel or Mumford? Mumford canceled. Mumford. And then it was Jack Johnson, Jack Johnson was put in his place. Yeah, but put in their place. That's kind of a different. Yeah, Jack Johnson just always available. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's that busy. The guy. I I actually talked to Sean who actually booked that, uh, Sean O'Connell, who used to be the guy that, that sort of helped out. I t- he's now the, the right. president of the Hangout Festival. Well, I talked to him about that moment of how, to get, how they got Jack Johnson that day, and he straight up told me, he's like, when we lost Mumford, I, I'm pals with Jack, and I, know he wasn't, I knew he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> he's literally, the, the, he said the only thing that I was worried about was just getting him on the phone. Because apparently when he lives out there in Hawaii, all he does is surf, and he lives nice. like a vagabond, and he, he barely has a house. He's a, it's just like a shack with a bed in it, and if you can get him on the phone, it's shocking. It's totally stunning. Wow. If you, nice. So he's like, I knew I could get him here, but I didn't know if I could get him on the phone. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That is absolutely crazy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, when you have money. It was a good like show. Him, he did fine. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's to be able to to replace anybody. Right, that's what I mean. Is yeah, pretty bit. It's a pretty bit. That that was the big news this week because everybody's worried about Cardi B canceling. Cardi B possibly. Right. There's this worry that she's going to cancel, and I can't even really figure out why she would cancel. But she's canceling a whole bunch of shows. With and her health, 
She had, was it? Yeah, she had plastic surgery, and and uh, um, and um, it's not healing well. Really? Yeah. What was it on? No, 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 I don't know. Okay. I, I didn't. I'm not that big a follower. Okay, so she had to cancel this week, this past weekend's She's, festival yeah, show. Yeah, last like three weeks worth of stuff. She really? Canceled. Yeah. It doesn't look good. Yeah. It doesn't look good for Bonnaroo. Yeah. And I wanted to mention, you know, we talked about last week being safe, the whole um, threat. Yeah. I think they've figured that out. But couple that with the fact that there is a new sheriff and just tell everybody, be careful. You don't really know what to expect when somebody new is, is taking over. don't know what over. to expect. I really don't know what to think. Threat, we tried We tried know. to get him on the show. Right. And he just, I guess he didn't answer. He didn't answer yet. I got to reach back out because mm. I get reports from him. All during the week, just yeah. from safety, you know, traffic updates, all that kind of stuff. You know, what would be interesting is I wonder if the old sheriff, did he beat the old sheriff like in an election? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Yeah, Sheriff Graves lost the election, and I can't even remember this guy's name now, but find out. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It does scare me a little bit. Yeah, it should. It makes me a little nervous. It should. Um, not. I don't know what to tell people. Just be careful. Either. Just be very careful. Look, I mean, I've known somebody that has been, I mean, they, they got stopped by the Bonnaroo people and they were randomly searched and it was cops that did it on the way in. Now right. it was a total random thing. And guess what all was taken? Yeah, the the yeah. drugs? Yeah. Well, I know a couple of guys uh, from here, football player types, they usually work security and one of my, my one of my friends Said he was going through uh, a guy's vehicle and found some drugs because the kid was an idiot and apparently basically had him on the dashboard or something. And uh, my friend kept messing with him, and the kid started crying. Oh, Please no. don't tell my dad. <laughs> this is going to ruin my life. And and my friend finally looked at him and said, "No, nah, I'm just messing with you. Oh, that's <laughs> Get good. Out of here. <laughs> oh, good for him. Let him sweat it out. That for poor a while. kid. Yeah, I mean." You know, that's the reality. Sometimes the security are literally just football players who got there the day before, and sometimes they're the police. So I re- we really don't know what to expect. Do you know, speaking of security, you know what I really like about Bonnaroo? It's that I can go every year, and there are certain security people that are still working the same post oh, yeah. every year. Yeah, my neighbor works the main stage. That's right. I know. I know her. You know her? Yeah. 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 And believe me, there have been years past where like my credentials weren't where you know they usually are, and I've tried to use that angle. She does not she care. Play, man. She does not no. play around. <laughs> She's very serious about it. But the other hand, another kid that I know was working, and I said, "When did you get here?" Uh, you know, the event starts on Wednesday or Thursday. When did you get here? Tuesday. And I said, "Is that for training?" And he laughed. He said, training was them handing me a T-shirt and saying, now go away. Yeah. <laughs> that was training. So where we pick where we pick up our credentials, uh, they also have the employee sort of like orientation in the same sort of space. Uh, that employee meeting lasts about 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is pretty funny. It's probably, here are your post times, show up. Show up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love the idea of like seeing the same security people in the same spots every year. Uh, and the other thing that I love, especially on Wednesday, and we've expanded our footprint for the weekend over the last couple of years, we start going on Wednesday now. Mm-hmm. And I love Wednesday because we can walk in and, and travel and traverse Cineru and watch them putting it together. Right. That is the most invigorating thing in the world. That's yeah, pretty cool. It is such a, I can't explain to you the feeling of feeling of like, being completely alone, it feels like, in this in this giant swath of property, while it's like 
being built around you and you're like by yourself essentially yeah, you know while giant these, 700 acres is basically empty yes while while and then 24 hours later it's full yes and it's like it's like the it's like the feeling of being like in the middle of New York City right where you know action is happening around you everywhere but then you look around and you're on a street with nobody else yeah yeah it's I was just thinking about it. It's kind of like watching a time lapse yeah. in real life. In real life. Yeah, you can just sit there and watch them build things that you're going to like celebrate for yeah, days and cool. days. And uh, we, you know, last year we walked through, we've told the story, but it was so cool to walk through there and see the lights. Yeah. The lights in the trees. That was with nobody there. So nobody there. That was kind of mind blowing. Don't know what we're going to get this year. It's going to be fun. Uh, we will get uh, Patrick Droney on uh, the... Speaking of, you know, we talk about Cardi B canceling, and I put, put this out as a tweet earlier this week. Uh, I found out that if uh, Cardi B were to cancel, Lizzo will not be replacing her. So the idea that most people were, were throwing out there because Lizzo had a giant hole in her schedule makes perfect sense. They're both right. on the same record label. Uh, they've got, you know... Sort of a similar style. Right. You know, it would be a really, really, really fun show. Uh, it's not going to happen. She's going to be at the uh, MTV Movie Awards on Sunday. So uh, I basically was told by the head of Atlantic Records, not happening. Not happening. So I guess the reason I bring that up is because Cardi B is about the same time as Patrick Droney. So conflicts get a little easier if uh, if that was, I can't imagine anyone was picking one or the other. <laughs> Cardi B <laughs> or Patrick Droney. There could not be two different artists on the planet. Uh, but we did get a chance to talk to him, Patrick Droney, at the Who stage on the What Podcast. What's going on, guys? How you doing? So tell us about Patrick Droney. Where in the world did Patrick come from? Well, I grew up in um, Pennsylvania, moved to New Jersey. My dad uh, was a session guitar player, so I grew up with blues music and, you know, guitar playing kind of since I was a baby. And, um, yeah, man, just I picked up the guitar when I was seven, and that's kind of the only thing that I wanted to do, and, and that's, that's all I've done since then. I have to ask, how, how old are you now? I'll be 27 in July. Okay. Am I reading correctly in some of the online bio stuff that you toured with B.B. King and James Brown? Yeah. Yeah. So my first tour was with James Brown when I was 12. Three? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, that's awesome. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, one of those, I was one of those young guitar singers, you know, and uh, I was really lucky enough to, to play with a lot of my heroes when I was a kid and just really immersed in the blues community and, um, yeah, BB King, um, Double Trouble, all, all those, all those guys that I, I grew up kind of admiring. I was able to, to share the stage with, and um, yeah, it was a pretty amazing. And you were young experience. And you were twelve. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What in the world was a twelve-year-old doing hanging out with BB King and James Brown? I know. Well, you know, I won. I won um, Robert Johnson Foundation. They, they had an award called the New Generation Award. It was kind of like the best young blues player in the country. And I won that when I was when I was around that age, and that kind of put me on the map. And you know, just uh, through circumstance and, and people, it's a small it's a small community, you know, uh, of guitar players and, and blues music, especially back. I mean, at this point, it was what 13, 14 years ago. But um, yeah, just guys like BB King, like really enjoyed passing the torch to like the next generation. And um, yeah, they're both. I just ended up. He is great about that for sure. I've got yeah. to start all over now with my Patrick Droney obsession <laughs> I because you. I have I am baffled here. Okay, so so you enter, you pick up the guitar at seven. You realize that you're pretty good at this. You're growing up in New Jersey, and you enter. Do you enter this competition? Does somebody else enter you? How does that work? And how did where did you go to to perform? And then how exactly did you win? 
Who are the other people around you? How old are they? Standard fare. I mean, I could go on and on here. I'm yeah, so yeah. It was dish. It was, Come on. I don't, I don't know how it came up. I think I might have, I might have seen it in like a guitar player magazine or something like that. But just did a, a video in my basement on like you know a camcorder, and and we sent it to the to the Robert Johnson Foundation, which is really just his family. You know, his his son and his grandsons. And then just a little while later, I got I got a phone call from um, from Claude Johnson, who was uh, Robert Johnson's grandson. And I'm sorry, his son, and he um, told me that, you know, they, they chose me as the new generation um, winner and flew me out to, to Hazelhurst, Mississippi, where I I played with Robert Lockwood Jr., who was the, the last living Delta blues musician who, who actually learned from Robert Johnson himself. My guitar is hanging in the Robert Johnson Museum in Mississippi, and that's that's. And so, and so from, my second family. And so from that random show that you that you were flown to in Mississippi, how did you catch the eye of somebody like BB King and the rest? Did just big word of mouth? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I first met BB King before this. Um, just you know, he he would do the meet and greets and you know the whole thing, and he he would always love sitting down with, with young musicians and, and giving advice. So um, once I started getting on the map, you know how you know how booking goes and, mm-hmm. and, and word of mouth goes and. Um, I think a, a guy like B.B. King always loved a, a younger uh, gunslinger opening for him, and, and you know he, he'd always call call you back on stage and just like give you a moment with his crowd to mm-hmm. clap for you, you know, just to kind of nod his head, and, and then you know just just the chance to to be part of like the experience Hendrix store, for instance, where it was you know me and Robbie Krieger and, and Billy Cox and Mitch Mitchell and, and Double Trouble playing um, Red House. Stuff like that, where it's just holy cow. <laughs> and you met all these people um, before puberty. This it, is unbelievable. It all sounds made up. Yes, it does. There's no way you've interacted with all of these people. You know, when, when, when I was 12, I couldn't make a fist. Uh, much less oh, man. get the eyes and ears of B.B. King. How, how is it, Pat? I mean, Brad and I talked last week, I guess, and we mentioned it several times. We, we sort of had gateway artists that led us to Robert Johnson. There's very few people that start you know, at that level, especially as a 12 year old, was that, is that in part because of your dad? I mean, was he just sort of like, like I've done with my kids sort of, uh, listen to this kind of thing, or did you just take right to it yourself? That was my dad. I mean, I credit my dad with most good things in my life. He, he, he just, he just kind of had me skip the line a little bit, but you know, he was, he was always showing me, it's all about context, you know, like why, why am I able to do this? And then why was, if I say I'm Clapton, well, why did Clapton do what he did? Oh, it's because Robert Johnson. You know, just just kind of right. uh, put put me back in in the context wheel, and then, but I just became obsessive. You know, I was the I was the kid who was doing my like my fourth grade music class project on Lightning Hopkins. <laughs> that, that was that was just an obsession. Um, but you know, at the same token, I was also being um, shown really great songwriting, like you know Joni Mitchell and and James Taylor and the Eagles, and um, I kind of realized really early in that process that, you know, you can play guitar all you, all you want, but without the context of a good song, you know, it doesn't really have legs. And I realized that there's going to be a little bit longer of a road for me to get to where I wanted to go as an artist. I didn't just want to be, you know, a blues guitar playing kid. I mean, I wanted to really expand this and tell a story and, and you know, cut to 15 years later where I'm really, really making my introduction now. Yeah. Uh, that right, context right. as as a pop artist, as somebody who's making mainstream music with the reverence for, you know, this genre that I grew up in. And, um, it's, 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 it's a really beautiful way that it all ties together to the now. Yeah. It's just kind of a crazy low key perspective that I carry. I just want to do, quickly just finish up and bottle the edge on the bio. So once you, once you do all this and then you eventually move from New Jersey to Nashville, at what age did you say, okay, I think I need to 
to make actually make a go at this and and put roots down in Nashville. That that happened over a, a pretty long period of time. I after that kind of stint as a teenager, just playing, 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 playing. Um, I decided to go to to NYU. I went to Clive Davis's program uh. at NYU. Um, and I spent spent my time there just, you know, really diving into the business of music and, and becoming my biggest advocate and learning exactly what I needed to do to kind of get to where I wanted to be. And New York was a really defining chapter for me. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I got signed to a publishing deal uh, in Los Angeles. I spent two years in L.A. and really honing, honing my thing. And then it wasn't until uh, three, I guess about three years ago now, when I decided I'd move to Nashville, where I just saw the just the opportunity, the the community, the songwriting, kind of the craft here. It just it was like, it just makes sense. This is the time I'm going to, because I've just really been patient, you know, because you get, you know, one, one chance at a second impression, a first impression, a second chance, you know, so it's like, right. all right, this seems like the right time and everything just kind of aligned. So it's been three years in Nashville now and it's just been really brilliant. I saw the, the NYU thing and it, and I'm curious, and it sounds like kind of a silly question, but I asked a, another guy uh, whose resume he had gone, he studied classical guitar at all kinds of the France and every all over the world. And it, it having played with BB King and played with James Brown and the legends, you know, the guys that have, that have, uh, God basically invented the genre. And then to go to a school, um, what I would think you would learn plenty from playing with those guys and studying those guys. What, what did you hope to gain from, you know, going to a school? For music versus you know going to the school of hard knock, so to and speak. just doing getting on the road, just getting on the yeah. road, yeah, just doing yeah. Well, well, you know, you know, the reality is, I, I I didn't go to Berkeley for a reason. I didn't go to to a music playing program. I went to a business program. You know, I I wasn't going to be able to go learn guitar the way I had already kind of been immersed in it for me. You right, know? right. Like it's valid and and, and it's. It's a great way to to get your theory going on stuff. But for me, it was like, all right, I'm, I've already been through the ringer, and I want to go and you know, for me it was I was taking criticism classes with like you know Rolling Stone writers, and like for me it was more about like you know music law and just stuff like that. that so I was sense. is that I was really something you in, picked you know, up from excited. seeing those guys? Because I know a lot of the old old guys, you know that <laughs> they all wish they'd have had a business degree before yeah, no they kidding. signed up before they signed because, a That's that's exactly that's a great point because I mean if you if you're him if you're Patrick and you say look I I'm on I'm sharing the road. With look at the list of people I'm sharing the road with. Why would I leave that to go schlep right. in some sort of you know college that I already look look at the experience right. I'm getting? It's the business part of it yeah, that, that makes sense. They all they all have probably missed and probably wish that they had more of. Yeah, and look, you know, it's it's I'm trying to have a, a true career, a long long career, and, and at this point, you know, just just ha- having the ability to be my my, big, my biggest advocate and, and understand what I, I think the thing with those guys is they they didn't know they just wanted to play music and they. Whoever was going to help them out, cool. But they didn't have their publishing, and they didn't have their right, masters. And exactly. It's just, it's just for me. I saw an opportunity to really educate myself and just get deeper into how I can be my my own boss and and make my music a true business. So makes, makes a lot of sense. So back to your songwriting, and this is what uh, I I find to be fascinating is uh, you are first and foremost a storyteller. You tell amazing stories, and and you have a, a terrific way to turn a phrase. Um, and that's a muscle that needs to be worked out. And to be able to get there where you are at 27 is pretty remarkable. But how does that work? How does that work in where the industry is now? Uh, you don't really see many blues storytellers tearing through. Now that you have the business side of it, how do you take what you have and, and cut through the noise? Well, look, it's, it's kind of doing it for itself. I think, I think right now is actually a, 
better time than ever to be to be honest and authentic and and people are really craving just honesty and the storytelling and i mean look look at look at the pop music spectrum everything is flipping to this this story perspective i mean i don't care what you think about certain music but it's like songwriting right now really is spotlight and Mm -hmm. um for a guy like me i just don't think i think certain things don't go out of style you know Mm -hmm. soulfulness uh the right melody and and the right lyric you know a story that that just relates for me it's like all i do is i tell my story and i know that you know my responsibility is if i do that people who don't have the chance uh, or the ability to speak for themselves they can feel like they can relate so that that's really my litmus test that's how i go i mean you know we just we just signed a warner brothers and like there, there there are people out there at the very top that really want to push authentic artistry and kind of redefine what it is to be you know an artist in 2019 and i'm really really inspired actually at the climate instead of being um pessimistic you know it's like i think there's more opportunity now than ever to cut through the noise and it's just happening organically and i'm really inspired by it and i think that you have something and and you touched on it a second ago i think that you have something that is uh, where my thread usually is and it's it's with artists who are not scared of being vulnerable and boy, you got that. You've got that vulnerability uh, locked down. I mean, you, you play that the Brooklyn song. I mean, that is nothing but being brokenhearted and, and vulnerable. High hope, totally vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, it's the honesty, it's the openness, it's the trust that somebody's going to give you the time to listen to it, and then it's the trust that they're going to uh, be careful with your vulnerabilities when you put them out there. So, oh, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You know, it's just uh, wake, up, wake up every day inspired to just keep, keep telling my story and then knowing that it's it's connecting to people like you, like you guys, you know. How, given everything that we've said about you know the going to school, education, uh, being on the road, what was it then that made you decide on Nashville? Because I mean, I assumed you could. The music scene in New York is pretty good. The music scene in L.A. What what was it about Nashville? Yeah, you know, like, look, everything's timing. Everything's kind of like a matching of, of preparation with opportunity. And for me, you know, I was in I was in the deal uh, in L.A. You know, my publisher was this guy Lance Free. His dad was Alan Free, who you know defined the term rock and roll, and and Lance was one of the great music publishers. And um, when I was getting out of that deal, Lance really sat me down. He said, "I think I think this is this is the time that that we go look at Nashville." And I just started taking some trips down here, and it was like wow. I just felt the energy. I felt the the focus on the craft. You know, Los Angeles is. I love LA, you know, and, and right now LA makes a lot of sense for me now that my thing's moving. But it's it's not just a music town; it's an entertainment town. And New York is not what it used to be. Uh, there, there really isn't much of a community. But Nashville, honestly, is still just a music city. And the song comes first. And that's just what really appealed to me. And I came to, I came here and just put my head down. That and, was it. And you know? so from, from Nashville to now Bonnaroo, uh, I don't know what your tour schedule and the, the shows that you've played in the past is necessarily have been, but I'm guessing it's your first Bonnaroo. I'm guessing uh, maybe one of your first festivals. How did the Bonnaroo people find you? Did your people find them? Uh, what was the process like to get into the festival this year? Um, well, this is my first Bonnaroo, um, and I'm very, very excited. You know, this is just one of those just world-class festivals that, you know, growing up is like, God, I just want to play Bonnaroo. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, as far as how we, we got discovered there, you know, I think it was a, a combination of just the buzz of what we've done this year with the EP mm-hmm. um, and, and just word of mouth, and I, and I know, you know, I have a great agent who, um, you know, everybody on my team is just such a true believer in what I do, and it just percolates out to anybody who's touching the project. Like, there's just true passion here, and, and I think the festival really saw that and feels the same way, and, you know, it's just everything here is happening really organically, so I'm just excited right now to 
to get this thing out on the road and to be, and you know, we've played a, a good amount of shows this year and we've sold out everything we've done and, and just the transaction between people is what I'm most, you know, interested in just going out there and seeing this music resonate in real time. So a place like Bonnaroo is honestly a dream stage for me to do that. First of all, I, I hope you're keeping a diary because listening to you drop and talk about all these people that you've already met is like reading the his, the encyclopedia yeah. of yeah, Patrick, you're going American by, music. You're going by it a little too fast for me. <laughs> oh, it's just incredible. Yeah, it uh, is pretty good. What was it uh, about now, the here and now, that made this record right? Uh, I mean, I I hear from a lot of artists, you know, who've written a hundred songs, but they weren't ready for an album, or they've had three songs and they're ready for an album. So, what is it about now that made it right for you are you asking about the specific songs or just the timing of the timing of putting an album together and everything getting to this point it sounds like you're very uh intentional about things now so what was it about this Mm -hmm. timing for this put this out yeah like like i said it really has been a patience game for me and and understanding timing and 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 it's it's half gut instinct of like okay i've lived enough life at this point and there's there's so much to be pulling from that it's almost like I am irresponsible to not put this story out and, and start, you know, kind of giving back to what I've been given. And I think there's a combination of that, the the fact that, you know, I, be, I believe in, in things being meant to be. And, and, and when I when I kind of made this last shift to come to Nashville and, and the team around me that came together and all the stars aligning, it was just like, okay, a combination of all the experience, finally feeling like I'm really in my skin and my body and in my self as an artist and like a player and, and a writer. And it just kind of was one of those things where it had to happen. Like the second everything came together, there was no stopping us. This was like a little train that could, I mean, part of it, I can't even explain. It just was, you know, it's one of those things that's intangible in a certain way, but uh, I'm so, I'm so ready to just knock this door down. You know, hey, Pat, good, good for you. You know, uh, this is as good of a compliment as I can give. Uh, I like Patrick so much and I love his songwriting so much. Uh, He's one of these guys that I wish I could get to write a song about me. He's one of those guys, not about me specifically, but about like, God damn, hey, Patrick, let me tell you something about this, this oh, thing that's happening you. in my life. Could you write a song about that? That's the kind of guy, like he's the kind of guy yeah. I want to write a song about a story that I tell him. And uh, nice. I guess you're going to tell those stories. Bonnaroo, Sunday, 345, you're uh, up against uh, Lemon Twigs, Hobo Johnson, Princess. It's going to be a nice day. You have any uh, plans for anybody that you want to see? Have you looked at the schedule at all? Uh, the national plan? I think I saw the national plan. They're, they're my favorite bands. Yeah, it's Saturday. Um, sure. I'll probably come, come early. But Sunday, man, I'm just I'm going to play. And then once we're done, we'll, we'll see what's going on. But kind of getting myself in, in the in the headspace, I've got to go there and, and really show, show our stuff and have a good time. It is the moment that could change your life, you know? We've talked to t- artist after artist after artist that said the Bonnaroo stage, that's the one that that turned everything for us so could be you this year man i'm really excited for you i'm really excited to meet you on the farm we'll see you soon and uh good luck sunday okay thanks patrick thank you patrick i just love his voice i loved his tone the idea that this kid was 12 years old and more accomplished at 12 than i will be 112 is fascinating to me i'm just blown away by this kid's story yeah it's a great story and what a what a smart guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's playing with those guys at 12. He could very easily have just... Rode that out. Just rode that Forever. out. Forever. Yeah. I mean, he, he's learning from the best. You know, he's getting a master class from, from the best. Right. And then decided, uh, I need to be smart about this, so I'm going to go get a degree in business. I didn't tell this story when we were talking to him because, I mean, the conversation's not about me, but 
when I was 19, I was going to college at, at University of Tennessee and then subsequently here at UTC, University of Tennessee Chattanooga. And I was going for communications, mainly because I just wanted to be in radio. My dream was always to be in radio. So I was going in, to do radio. Mm-hmm. And so I was walking around the campus of UTC and uh, there was a radio station set up doing a, a live broadcast. It's called a remote and I just walked up to him and was like, hey, how can I get hired to do this radio thing? Uh, because that's what I'm going to school for. And the guy's name's Gene. He gave me the best piece of advice that I share with every kid from now on, uh, from then and, and for the rest of my career. He, he said, call every day until you get hired. Right. And I did. And I finally got hired. And about three months into working at the radio station, I looked around and I said, why am I going to college for this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, why I am I? I'm learning Everything I want to know, literally right here. Why am I paying you when I'm getting paid? Yeah. It made no sense. I, I agree. And in most cases, especially in music, that would have made sense for him. Why would he, why does he need a degree? But there are so many stories of musicians who have been taken advantage right. of. They sign bad contracts. They don't get the royalties, you know, that, that are due them because they didn't know how to handle it. So smart what he did. And and if you're going to uh, be really, really successful in this and have um, a, a long, long career, you can't just be a performing musician. No. Um, I mean, you can, but it's going to be a lot easier if you're Ryan Tedder. I mean, Ryan Tedder is writing songs for everybody on the planet. You know, he helps write U2's album. He's writing songs for Five Seconds of Summer and Shawn Mendes and people like that. And, oh, by the way, he's One Republic. Yeah. So, you know, it he could very well just be One Republic. But all the money he's making doing all the other stuff that he's doing, watch right. out. And if Patrick Dorney can do that, dude, it all started because he decided to to leave. I can't believe I'm saying this. Leave BB King, yeah, <laughs> and leave James Brown, yeah, to and do go it. to school and, and uh, get his get basically get his world together before releasing an album. So it's really interesting. I like him a lot. I I don't know if I would have made the same call. I don't think I would have been smart enough to make that call. Well, as he said, his dad is a big influence. I'm going to guess that they had that conversation many times. Here's the other thing I like about him, and I wasn't going to bring this up in the conversation with him. He has no streams. He has no sales. Like, you can't find him anywhere. This kid is legitimately just now starting, and it feels like... It feels like we're we're watching it bud. We're watching a bud bloom, and... Well, I, get to, what, I get to be on the ground floor of it. I love stuff like that. That's what I thought the morning of the interview. I mean, that that's what we were getting this this kid out of nowhere. Yeah, and then we hear his background. That was what that was what was so mind blowing. So you're you're crushing my dreams that this was sort of a little discovery that we get to bloom. No, no, we did. I mean, no, it's very much still that same thing. But then to find out he has that background, yeah, is what I'm talking. The other thing too is like now I want to go to Nashville and just find him because you know it's in some sort of. <laughs> Tiny yeah. room. He's probably playing a, a grocery right, store every right. now and then. Right. People are eating bagels and wondering who the kid is in the corner performing right, right and now. And you're never going to be able probably to see him like that again. Yeah, I agree. All right. But any other odds and ends? I got through the whole thing without saying the W word. Don't do it. I, I can't believe it. Don't do it. What else do we need to do? Uh, what do we need through? to do? We, we are two days away, three days away from leaving. I'm going to do my final shopping list today. Yep. I'm getting uh, all the Bloody Mary things today. Because we have a tent in our Camp Nut Butter just for Bloody Marys. Right. We get, we're getting all the, the f- special surprise. I worked on that at home. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We have a... So we every year I try to add something too. dumb and stupid to camp just to, you know, jazz it up and make... One of my 
Bonnaroo do's and don'ts make camp fun. Yep. So I came up with this idea with Nikki T uh, to have something added to camp this year, and uh, we'll reveal it in some sort of tweet or something when we yeah. get there on Wednesday. It's pretty funny. It's really fun. It's really fun, and I I don't know, and if somebody has done this in the past, you'll have to tweet us once you see it, but I don't know if it's ever been done before. No, I don't know, and I did try. I think we can reveal this because I still think it's funny, and maybe someone will, but I did try to find a microwave. I haven't I, found one okay. yet. So I had this really <laughs> dumb idea to- I think Hot Pockets and, and a bag of popcorn. With popcorn just hearing that, is where I'm going, man. Just I, hearing that ding. Yeah. <laughs> It just would be worth it. We we started thinking, like, me and Lord Taco were like, we have the generator already because yeah. we plug up all the podcast stuff. Why not just go ahead and plug up a microwave <laughs> with it, too, and see if we can make some food? While, while one of us is running the vacuum, I thought cleaning about, the carpet, I thought we could soup's on. The other thing I said is, like, we could bring a, we could bring a pizza oh, and just microwave slices of pizza on like without leaving camp. And the idea of having a microwave at camp, I don't know, unless you have an RV. Right. Can't be at anyone else's no, camp. I just think the hot pockets would be hilarious. Ding, <laughs> ding. Yeah, it's ready, ready. Um, <laughs> so last, uh, I'm gonna pack today. I think I'm gonna pack today. Yeah, I got. Uh, all, I'm starting to put it all in a in the same place so that I can see it. You got your stack. Yeah, my stack. You got your stack. My pile of stuff. My pile has been on my front porch for like a week. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the best. That was the best move. I had this nightmare. Oh my god, I had a Bonnaroo nightmare. Would that be a Bonnamare? I don't think that works. So uh, I was uh, I was watching. So apparently the big storm came through Chattanooga a couple nights ago, and all of my Bonnaroo stuff was there in on the front porch. And I had this dream that it all got blown away, mm. like into the ether. And I had no Bonnaroo stuff. And all I was being yelled at, I was being yelled at. You're not buying one thing. <laughs> yeah, You're that's going right. with nothing. Brad tends to overbuy. I am a yeah. I talked to Nick yesterday. He was on the phone. He goes, Yo, man. And how many people? at camp say this every year it is the thing that we hear from everyone every year and it's always a lie man i was really trying to go minimalistic this year (laughs) everyone says that and it's such a lie yeah it is such a lie i actually grabbed a couple of things and i thought no i'm not gonna bring them this year and that no (laughs) put it in the pile because as soon as you get up there you're gonna wish you had it Man, I really do wish that I brought that microwave. Yeah, I should have brought uh, the microwave. We really do need 200 more square feet of carpeting. I should have gotten that more carpet. I'm trying to figure out how to get a refrigerator up there, too. Well, we are not, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but uh, we did one year sneak in a keg. I know, I know, (laughs) I know we broke the rules big time, but I got a keg in. We had a tap handle and everything. The problem with the keg is. Is that, yeah, we know how to work it. I mean, we've got people who run bars at our camp, but you just can't keep the damn thing cold enough. Like, right. there's too much ice. There's too much ice that you have to, I mean, we went through maybe 25 bags of ice for that keg. That was the, that was a great year because what do we mix with it? Uh, watermelon. Watermelon. That was yeah. really good. We literally, that, in, in the shell of a watermelon, after it was eaten, we poured the beer into the watermelon and drank it out of it. That was pretty delicious. Yeah, that was also one. the same year that somebody came to camp on Sunday and made Eggs Benedict. Yeah, we haven't seen him since. I haven't seen him since. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Whipped up the grill and started just walking over, giving everybody eggs. We're like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> We don't even know him. Eggs Benedict. <laughs> Man, I, I just can't wait. I just can't wait. I'm excited. I Like I, I told you before, this is right now is when I start having the night sweats because I start imagining the W word going very badly. Yeah. This one looks pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I've said this before. 
but I, I want to keep saying it because I'm so excited about it. That moment we get to the top of Mont Eagle yeah. and I get to look out over into the, to the, to the left and see so much farmland to the left. And as I go down that hill with the windows down, it's my legit favorite moment of my life. It is legit my favorite moment of it's my life. Pretty great. It definitely is. Uh, you feel like you're leaving one world and driving right into another one. It is the only time, uh, maybe a couple other times in my life, but this is the most regular, the most euphoric yeah. moment that I have. Pretty great. And I wanted to say thanks to everybody for sticking with us. I mean, we did this for a year. We never would have imagined I know. we would continue. And we look forward. We have so many things lined up this week. I hope we get to do them all. People that we're going to see. Yeah. People that want us to come by their camps. I think we're going to do a couple of podcasts from there. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do the, the beer share at Red Aru. We're going to do that. We're going to try to do the Rubus party on Wednesday night. We're going to try to do... Oh, we have presents. Oh, nice. Lord Taco just told us you have presents. Thank you nice. so much. should say we're going to try to do as many podcasts or whatever as we can from up there. The internet is always sketchy. Yeah. So no promises. Yeah. We don't, I don't think we'll do anything live because it's just so difficult to count on that, that internet, but we'll figure something uh, out. It just, it's one of these things where you have, you have all the best intentions. It's almost just like going to shows. You want to do it, but just things... Like, you know, camp yeah. happens and you just sit there and you just, but the, ooh, I almost said it. Mm. The W word being better is going to help, but at the same time, I really, you just get tired of walking sometimes. <laughs> I mean, we said, I turned down Alt-J last year because I didn't want to walk across center room. It was going to be a hike. We it turned was... down Alt-J. I know. I know. For that and kid. And we'll... For that kid. Yeah. Who will stay nameless. <laughs> Damn kid, smoking a cigarette cost us old Jay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we copped an attitude. Cop to it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> All right. I guess that's it. See you guys on the farm. Right. See you on Wednesday. Hey, 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 hey. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year, that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner.